0: And welcome to Consumer Choice Radio, broadcasting here on The Big Talker, 106.7 FM and Saga, 960 AM every single Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern on Saga and on Saturdays, 10 a.m. Eastern on The Big Talker. I'm one half of your host, Yael Ososki, coming to you from the home studio in Vienna, Austria. We're having a great time out here and uh, trying to enjoy the weather and the summer as best as we can and I'm joined as always on the mic by my dear colleague trusty man himself David Clement David sir how goes it this morning
1: uh, it's going well no complaints um, yeah yeah things things are going pretty good things are going pretty good how about you
0: yeah things are doing pretty good was able to uh, do some guest hosting uh, for Joe uh, earlier this week, so I was able to uh, oh, nice. be on the local station there in Wilmington, North Carolina, have our own uh, couple of segments there, David, that we were able to do, talking about sports and the future of pandemics and the like. Uh, so we'll definitely link to that as well if you guys want to get caught up. And our website, as always, is consumerchoiceradio.com. You can catch all the past interviews and the like. And we do have an interview coming up uh, with Ali Rizvi. Uh, he is a multimedia producer. And it seems he's got a gripe with the airlines. He actually had to deal, unfortunately, with the situation of bringing his toddler onto the plane and the toddler not complying with federal laws. Uh, So we'll hear more from Ali in segment number two. Uh, But David, you wanted to highlight a story that's been making the rounds on social media like crazy. And uh, it's not the story that you'd think we would be looking at here in June, uh, a year after many of these... uh, Reckonings over race, uh, yeah. Tell us what this clip is all about.
1: Yeah, so uh, it's it's essentially a video, a very disturbing video, in that of uh, of a young man um, getting tasered by police, and you don't really know the context of <clears throat> what's gone on when you first watch the video, and then you find out that he was actually tased and handcuffed for by police. For the crime of vaping, um, so he was vaping. How um, dare he? he was vaping, yeah. Which vaping, uh, I guess, outside on a beach or just near the beach, um, which I believe was prohibited. And then he ended up actually being under the age of um, the legal age of purchase. And uh, yeah, I mean, you see this guy get tased, he hits the ground hard, they, they jump on him. they throw some handcuffs on him. off um, all, all for vaping. And it just complete, I mean, it highlights the reality of these laws. If you pass laws that are like, Oh, well, you're not allowed to vape in parks, which is actually really common. There's a lot of places that do that. Um, you have to be willing to enforce them with force. Uh, that is how laws are carried out. A lot of people forget that. That every time you pass a law, that means that more often than not, a individual with a firearm will force you to comply or will arrest you for not complying. Um, and so this is one of those uh, perfect instances where it's like, well, obviously this is not worth it, regardless of what you think of vaping, tasing some poor guy, because he's vaping outside at a, on a beach is just mind-bogglingly boggling, mind ridiculous, especially in the context of trying to reduce interactions with the police. So, yeah, I don't know. What's your take on this, Yael? It's Ocean
0: City, Maryland, and I guess the rule there is you're not allowed to vape uh, nor drink, apparently, on the boardwalk. Uh, seems like a fun place to go to. That's definitely the top of my list. Uh, But yeah, you definitely see the consequences of many of these laws. And the laws state, uh, apparently in this area, you're not allowed to vape on the boardwalk. Well, uh, whenever you write these laws, actions have consequences. (laughs) So if the police, and in this circumstance, I mean, the number of police that we had, and the only reason we know this and we have a good telling of it is because it is on video. So we once again have to thank our our technological overlords uh, for providing with this this technology and the culture that we have of sharing this stuff after it happens, but it's a group of, I don't know what, six police officers that take this guy down and tase them, Um, other videos that were from the same weekend of people who also uh, were vaping on the boardwalk, being arrested, handcuffed. I mean, what do you expect is going to happen? And I think this is one of those circumstances where something that we talk a lot about, David, uh, talking about vaping and talking about the bad consequences of various laws and rules, uh actually kind of petered out a little bit into the mainstream, and people were able to see yeah. that you know what actually these are not good laws to have on the books because it's not just you know some complicated procedure, there are human beings on the other side of these laws,
1: yeah, it's like did we forget who Eric Garner was like do we all do we all just have collective amnesia and and forget that he was? killed essentially for the crime of selling single cigarettes outside of a store it's like how do we keep why do we keep doing this I mean how many people a year die by complication I mean a taser is technically a non-lethal weapon but I know that there are several people who who for a variety of reasons um, die as a result of being tased and it's like all for what what are we accomplishing with this Better health, um, better public health, David. My... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly not, certainly not for that guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. It's that's it. Just leaves me really scratching my head at why why people think any of this is a good idea. So,
0: speaking of uh, scratching things, uh, whether you're scratching your head or you're scratching your beard, uh, I wanted to bring a clip to the table, David. I don't know if you're going to be prepared for this one. I think you have seen it. I wanted to bring up a clip of Jon Stewart having to do with uh, our coronavirus. All right, let's hear it. All right, let's go ahead and play this clip. This is going to be from uh, the Stephen Colbert program. Um, I don't watch this because it's on uh, far too late for my taste, Uh, but this is the Late Night with Stephen Colbert show, apparently the first one that they've had in person uh, in a long time. But this is Jon Stewart, who's on the program, And he brings up some great points.
2: And I honestly mean this. I think we owe a great debt of gratitude to science. Science has, in many ways, helped ease uh, the suffering of this pandemic, uh, which was more than likely caused by science. (laughs) So... And that's kind of... Hold on one second. No, 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 <laughs> Now, listen, listen. I'll, it's I'm, coffee. I wouldn't, do that, I wouldn't for, do that to you. I so wouldn't do that to you. what am all for spit takes, but... What do you, what, 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 what do you mean by that? Do you mean like, well, there's so a, there a chance that this was created in a lab? There's an investigation. A chance? Well, but... So, I don't, I, 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 oh, I, my God. there's evidence, I'd love to hear I There's know. a n- novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know who we could ask? the Wuhan Novel Respiratory Coronavirus Lab. The disease is the same name as the lab. That's just, that's just a little too weird, don't you think? And then they I, ask I, those scientists, they're like, how did this, so wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan Respiratory Coronavirus Lab. How did this happen? And they're like, mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle? Mm. And you're like, no, I, you, you the wait, name wait, of your lab, wait. if you look at the name, Look at the name. Can I, let me see your business card. Show me your business card. Oh, I work at the coronavirus lab in Wuhan. Oh, because there's a coronavirus loose in Wuhan. How did that happen? Maybe a bat flew into the cloaca of a turkey and then it sneezed into my chili and now we all have coronavirus. Like, co-
0: Oh, I love that, David. I love that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's in the name. They have the same name. Oh, I mean, it is, it is, uh, it is the whole, we obviously can't play the whole clip because it's quite a long one, but I encourage our listeners to check that one out because it is actually quite funny. Um, (laughs) Where he goes, he like, they kind of go back and forth, and Colbert is like hedging his bets a little bit, being like, well, uh, doesn't mean, doesn't mean this, and, and it's like, I mean, yeah, you're right, it, it doesn't mean that it came from a lab, but I would I would, um, I would, would argue that with each passing day, that becomes more and more the prevailing theory in terms of all of the evidence, the, the triangulating of evidence, um, all of that jazz seemed to increasingly more so everyday point to something that was uh, generated in the lab and most likely escaped by accident due to some bad protocol.
0: Well, the way that I saw it, David, is I saw it as you know this moment of fear in Stephen Colbert's eyes where he's like, oh my God, here's the master of uh, political satire on this program, basically telling me I haven't been skeptical enough. And like you could see this look in Stephen Colbert's eyes like, Have I been doing this all wrong? (laughs) Have I, for the last decade, been been too much in the camp uh, with the partisans and haven't really looked at this like a comedian? Have I been not funny? What am I doing here? How did I get here?
1: (laughs) Have I been? Have am I not funny anymore? Um, I, I mean, yeah, it just there was a level of uncomfortableness where he was like, oh, I don't know if I really want like this to be. I don't know if I really want this. To be what we're talking about, and then it just dominates the segment, and then it goes viral. Um, Which is, what are
0: my buddies going to think? You know, the political advisors. What are what are all the executives going to think? They thought I was on their team and on their side. And I'm I'm letting him come on here and question the narrative.
1: Oh no. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I mean it's hilarious because like even I think just late this week, there was an op-ed put out by the. Washington Post about the lab leak theory, and it's still very much like, well, I'm agnostic to this, we don't really know, like, we're still searching for the evidence. And it's like, the people who were very certain about the previous narrative, all of a sudden have healthy skepticism. Um, (laughs) It just strikes me as incredibly, like, they just don't want it to be true. And, yeah, you know what? We don't know if it's true. But, like I said, every day it just seems like more and more evidence piles on that this is probably um, what happened. And, obviously, it would sure explain a lot in terms of what the cover-up was and why there was such resistance to the WHO's team going in and investigating and um, all of that jazz. So, I mean, we'll see how this one plays out, but... um, I do feel like there are going to be some very high-profile folks with some egg on their face at the end of this. When, when things do uh, come out in the wash, we see what uh, we see what the reality of the situation is, and then it'll look like there were maybe some folks who, who bit on the early narrative a little too hard. <laughs> it's in the
0: name. Yeah, and I, I definitely would. I'd love to see a lot more comedy like this. That's why, you know, I loved Jon Stewart growing up. I watched a lot of it. Daily Show was one of my favorite shows and programs. I tune in. It just seems as if he operated on a different level than many, I would say, contemporary um, comedians who tend to do politics. So I really did love uh, him coming on the program. I mean, that is just spectacular. Stephen Colbert getting hit in the face with what satire used to be. And uh, no more hashtag resistance. It's it's actually like, did you guys not take note as to how insane and crazy this entire coincidence was? Apparently not. Oh, yeah. So we have have much more to come on Consumer Choice (laughs) Radio. Uh, Interview coming up with Ali Rizvi. He'll be telling us about his experience getting booted off the plane uh, with his small toddler who would not don the mask. Plenty more to come here on Consumer Choice Radio. Keep tuning in. And uh, we'll be right back after this. And welcome back to Consumer Choice Radio broadcasting here on The Big Talker, 1067 FM and Saga 960 AM out of the Peel region, Ontario. Canada. Our guest for the next segment, we have Ali I. Rizvi. He is a Pulitzer Prize winning, Emmy nominated creative talent and filmmaker based out of the DC area, a storyteller by trade. And boy, does he have a story for us. Ali, how are you doing today?
3: I'm a little nervous, but I'm doing well.
0: No worries, you're on the radio. Uh, We got you uh, covering across North America, so this is a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, you uh, reached out to me because uh, no doubt had seen. Uh, maybe a story I had written or, or saw something about the mask mandate for two-year-olds on flights. Uh, I've I've had taken a few flights now uh, with my daughter, who's around that age, and uh, you have your own story related to this. I figured it'd be a great opportunity to get uh, sort of a first-person account as to the actual impact of this rule or regulation. So Ali, tell us uh, tell us our story and, and what got you all huffy and puffy.
3: Well, um, we, my wife and I were <clears throat> masked, we're waxed. We've been sequestered for about a year and change. We live in DC, which is pretty, you know, they're pretty tight about their um, restrictions and things like that. Fair enough, it's a very dense city, you know, we want to be safe. Um, so about a year after all this happened, you know, we're, we're vaccinated and we're thinking we should visit our family for the Eid holidays, the Muslim holiday. Um, to Houston. My folks are from Houston uh, and we hadn't seen them in like two years because of COVID. So, uh, you know, we decided, okay, let's do this. We bought a ticket for the Southwest Airlines um, and uh, I actually called them beforehand. I was like, hey, my son is about, he's going to turn two by the time we actually end up flying, like hair over two. And uh, he's just a baby, clearly doesn't talk. Uh, (laughs) How, how, stringent is a mask mandate for essentially babies. And they read me a little discra- disclaimer about like, hey, what their policy is, everybody over two has to mask. But he said, I don't, and quote, I'm quoting him, this person that they, he's not sure that they are actually enforcing it on little kids. I was like, okay, great. Um, with that in mind, we packed up uh, my wife and I, you know, it takes, as you know, if you have an infant or a toddler with you or a baby, it takes weeks of like planning to kind of get to the point of travel. You know, uh, there's pre-travel travel where you're running around doing things, all kinds of things, you know, collecting essentially like a huge amount of things to go with you on the, on the, on the plane. Um, and part of it is to, is to also not inconvenience other passengers because you are traveling with a toddler, you know, so you have all your kit and caboodle. You get to the airport, uh, the people at the airport were very nice. Uh, the people at the check-in counter uh, didn't say much. I asked them, hey, he doesn't have a mask on. They, they kind of brushed it off like no big deal. We went through the TSA check-in, didn't have a mask on. I asked them too, and they were like perfectly fine with it. Uh, we were sitting at the gate. Um, you know, it's uh, the kid is, it's around one o'clock. That's when his nap time is. He's getting a little cranky anyway, you know, whatever. Uh, meanwhile, uh, everybody starts lining up to get into the plane they're, they're packed like sardines just standing side by side, right? There's no, they're wearing masks, but they're standing next to each other. It's like long lines and they start entering, um, the airplane. Uh, and then finally it's our turn. We get our son ready. We get everything ready. We put a little mask on him. It's a little loose cause his face is really tiny. Uh, I can share a picture and and a video with you guys uh, from the gate Um, and uh, he's cranky and the mask is not staying on his face because he has such a little face and the lady at the gate was like, well, he can't come in because his mask is not on according to policy, I'm quoting her. Um, And then I started adjusting it and the kid starts getting all, you know, traumatized, like he doesn't want it. He's not having any of it, right? He can't speak English or anything, you know, (laughs) he babbles in four different languages. We speak to him and, um, but he doesn't understand, uh, for the most part, especially not when he's hungry and he's crying and stuff like that. So as I'm trying to adjust his mask over and over, he just, he actually flat out refuses to keep the mask on at all at that point, you know? And meanwhile, while we're going through this, while he's crying, uh, we're getting peppered from, uh, from employees at Southwest airlines saying, Hey, the man, the, you know, the um the pandemic is real like I never prompted any of this like the pandemic is real and then there's a policy one of the managers came over and started reading the policies about like you know the same things that the Southwest Airlines um person on the phone told me about right uh it was not helpful I don't think they were equipped to deal with people like us uh what I should have done is taken out a camera I started recorded the whole thing just like people do, annoying people do on airplanes and airlines, you know, and outside in public. I didn't do that. It's just something I just didn't do. I was trying to focus on. My wife and I were focusing on the kid. And by the time we finally get the mask back on him, uh, the lady at the gate basically yells at her at, at us saying, hey, train your kid, baby next time. It's easier that way. And then he just closes the door to the gate. And then, and then the plane leaves, basically. Um, And, you know, that was, I didn't pay too much attention to it. I'm wary of making scenes in the airport. Uh, Just another tangent on the side, you know, I I have issues at the airport. I'm a brown guy. I'm a journalist, so I travel a lot, sometimes all over the world. So I've been on these lists where, you know, so I, I try not to make a scene as much as I can. So I didn't think too much of it, I was just focusing on the kid. And these things hit me later on, like, hey, they said this, they said that. my wife was super angry, and she was sort of arguing with them at one point afterwards. But by the time they slammed the door and then they left, uh, we realized they took all our luggage, including the the chair, the, the car seat for the baby. Now, how do you go home after the car seat for the baby is gone? Like, there's no legal way for you to get home. Um, and we didn't even know if, the, if our stuff had come out of the plane or not. We were waiting there. There was really nobody there at the, at the, uh, at the lounge. Uh, we ended up spending about an hour and a half at the airport, uh, just trying to figure out, get some answers. Uh, finally, somebody told us the plane has left and nothing had come back out of the plane. So yeah, we called a friend uh, that showed up. At this point, it's not two hours. We finally get into the car, in there's no car seat. You have to hide the kid, <laughs> you know, get back home. Uh, but, and then we spent the next like few days in mutual agony and despair um, just because we were super depressed, couldn't see family, had to, uh, had no, like, we had to buy some extra supplies because everything was went to Houston. <laughs> Eventually came back. I had to keep calling the airlines. Uh, there was no response from them about this or anything like that. And um, more or less, that's it. Um, I, I mean, had, really, I did,
0: just as a, yeah. as, a, as a parent, you know, I, I faced the same fears, and I did all the research much like you did, and uh, thankfully at our airline, uh, you know, we used a European ones, so they're a bit more l- relaxed, uh, but this sh- kind of shows the human impact of many of these regulations, which, um, as you mentioned, both vaccinated, both masked, and uh, a two-year-old child, I mean, nowhere else in the world is the regulation that two-year-olds have to wear masks anywhere. I mean, uh, not even for, for airplanes. And, I mean, just, just to show all the issues it caused you, you know, for one day, this policy.
1: And there's questions of whether or not two-year-olds are cognitively developed enough to, like, understand the command and the require. It's very formal language, but the command and the requirement and the consequences. And so you're, like, the, the, the expectation is that a two-year-old has the... the cognitive ability more of like a four or five year old where they can understand like this is the rule i have to do this these are the consequences it's like how do you how do you enforce i mean it's it's a bit rich for the airline employee to be like maybe you should train your child better as if like that's <laughs> yeah like a
0: tsa agent how about that yeah uh, so i <laughs> cool. leave one point to, to make on that is you know you you kind of saw the the impact on you Uh, We know what the risk is to particularly toddlers uh, when it comes to COVID. Uh, The pandemic is real, don't you know? Uh, You know, what does this make you think, though, um, about—because, again, I have no reason to doubt that you're skeptical of any measures, that you're skeptical of anything that the government has done in the name of public Uh, health—but, you know, this kind of impact and seeing how it's affected you and your family, uh, you know, what do you think of, you know, how these policies are crafted, and, and do you think they take enough consideration in mind about how it actually might impact, you know, our daily lives.
3: I mean, I don't know if I'm quite qualified to answer that, but I'll tell you this, this is obviously my personal opinion of the matter, right? Um, The United States, especially, has a history of getting caught with their pants down every time some major disaster hits, right? And their response is often, often inadequate. I mean, take 9-11, you know, it's a sweeping sort of like the Patriot Act, That was a response to 9-11. I mean I don't know how much of an effect it did uh, made like in terms of like making us feel secure you know in the U.S. or around the world Um, and then the pandemic you know you have a mask mandate for two-year-old they're 24-month-old babies right and 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 mind you if you go to the CDC website my wife is an attorney so she actually read all the shenanigans they have to offer on the CDC's website regarding these kids so if you're under two, it's actually almost illegal for you to put a mask on a baby because it's a it's a suffocation hazard. It specifically states that. But right after two o'clock, you're treated as an anti masker conspiracy theorist if you don't put it on as per their policies, you know. So I don't know. It's just it's just all I know is it's very frustrating, you know, um, to to sort of to do, I, I'm having trouble articulating it, but like, because mostly because I'm a little bit angry still I realized from like this ordeal. But, you know, we, we've done everything that they've asked us. We've done everything, you know? And then we have to go through this. While, while at the same time, people are packed like sardines, waiting to get into the airplane. And then everybody takes their masks off collectively when they're eating and drinking on the plane. You know, so like, what is the point of making the little babies go through all that uh, when you're not? You know, the policies are not even.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny that you you mention nine eleven because Ya'el and I have talked about this before, where it's like with nine eleven, you pass the Patriot Act, just egregious privacy violations, the the targeting of specific minority groups, just really horrific policy you have the tfsa and all of the invasive things that they get away with and all of it most or most of it ends up being theater it's it's it was security theater and it sounds like what you're describing i mean you kind of roll your eyes hearing the fact that people collectively remove their masks to eat which just raises like if if it were if if it were so important that a 2-year-old was really required to wear a mask. You wouldn't allow anybody to eat or drink. That would be, that would be the the consistent policy. And so it just highlights a little more of this theater. And I mean, I'm I'm on board with with if if the airlines want to mandate masks for adults and children over a certain age where they can understand and all of those rules, I think it's appropriate. I mean, we have a as as the flight attendant said, COVID is real. It is in fact real. We know that. Um, but at the same time, you have to be enacting policies that are actually effective and not undermining them with all of the other things that you're doing, which obviously that would be the example of food. So it just, it does feel like you kind of collectively have a moment afterwards and you're like, this doesn't make any sense. This is just way over the top.
3: It feels like it as a parent. I don't know what the answer is, you know, I I don't know, but it's that's not it. I know that. I know that yeah
0: that's definitely true i mean there's the the impact on that it's as if no one who crafted this rule who had a hand on it whether at the cdc or in the joe biden administration um, has ever had a toddler or has ever met one Uh, maybe they think they don't exist (laughs) but the you know the rest of us we we have to deal with this and uh, traveling is is stressful enough Uh, but to to see it go this far is is really problematic and uh, at least for um, many people who are you know just now getting out and traveling, you know, to have to deal with this, and it to be different in other countries. And I think in, throughout the, the pandemic, a lot of the measures are just different depending on what state you're in, what country you're in. Uh, if it's 11 p.m. Uh, when the virus comes out or when, whenever, whenever uh, it's, it's, it's it's very, very confusing, confusing uh, for, for a lot of people. people. So, so, so stay tuned in here to Consumer choice Radio, broadcasting on Saga 960 and the Big Talker 1067 FM. We're going to go to a quick break, And uh, we'll be back with Ali to have a bit more on this story. Uh, Unbelievable that this stuff is happening, but, uh, you know, it's the pandemic age. Uh, Keep listening here. Uh, We'll be right back after these messages. And we're back here on Consumer Choice Radio, broadcasting on The Big Talker, 106.7 FM in Wilmington, North Carolina, and Saga 960 AM in the Peel region, Ontario, Canada. I want to give more of a word to Ali. I think uh, Ali has given us some great insight. And uh, let's ask him another question here, because I think this has been a great segment. To closing thoughts, uh, Ali, I mean, after all of this incident, uh, you know, how does this kind of, how does this, perhaps inspire you in a positive way Uh, or kind of what do you take about, you know, the next step for you and your family or perhaps your creative work as well?
3: Uh, You know, one more thing they mentioned to me uh, while at the airport, among other things they have peppered at me was I need to find an alternative mode of transport to get to my next destination. Now, what that entails for me is driving to Houston, Texas, from D- from DC, which is a two day ordeal with a toddler. Uh, out of the question. The other other thing I could do is like maybe like get on a train, you know, um, from DC. It's a twenty four hour ride to like New Orleans, and then drive from New Orleans to Houston. I'm mapping things out.
1: The same rules though. I would assume that on a train, you probably have to mask your toddler as well, or.
3: Well, I, again, uh, I don't know how well to enforce it, but from ah, what okay. I looked at, from who, the, I've talked to several, I'm a former journalist, so I've talked to several uh, transportation um, journalists and things like that. And I, what I've found was, and this is a, a, a thing of privilege, right? Most people can't do that, but I can probably do that where I can get a train ticket and a whole train room for my wife and myself and my kid. And if you're in your room on the Amtrak train, you don't have to keep a mask on, right? But you have to buy like the whole room. Um, does that make sense to you?
0: Yeah, no, no I, I can yeah. see that. And you're in your own controlled environment and
3: um, right, right. assuming you even but have a people, good
0: Amtrak, yeah. cause I've been on the Amtrak and you know most of them don't have these either. Depending on which train. Well, you're on. well,
3: the 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 train that goes from DC to New Orleans, it's it, it has rooms that you can, you know, rent or whatever. Uh, but they're not cheap. You know, I can certainly, I can certainly, I have, I'm in the position to be able to do that. But do I want to travel 24 hours and train with the kid? I don't know if I if I'm ready for that. I, I, and it ne- it needed to be a split second decision because by the time. I had thought about what I wanted to do. It was too late to go to Houston and the holiday had passed. Right. So what's the point? What's the point? Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I stay at home now and I kind of hang around and we're pondering the next max mandate. I think, uh, the deadline or something like that uh, for the Biden administration to do something about the mask mandate on planes or indoors, something like that, is September 15th, according to the airlines, what they told me. So, um, so, yeah, and I wouldn't have known about this any like some of the stuff I would have known about had I not had journalist friends that write about transportation who could actually actively email the airline and the on the from the back door. You know, I have more information on this stuff and more knowledge on it. Uh, and I'm in this position. I can't imagine anybody else who's going at it uh, and facing the situation, you know, uh, they have no answers whatsoever. At least I had some idea where to get some answers. Right. So
0: yeah, that's yeah. I mean, it. Just shows you the the impact on on us regular people, you know. Whenever a lot of this has passed, uh, well, Ali, I hope we can check in with you uh, if you do plan your next destination. I, I would encourage you to go out and enjoy, you know, life a little bit in DC if things are opened up and and uh, being fully vaccinated stuff. Uh, but thanks so much for stopping by, Consumer Choice Radio. Hope we can uh, have you on again soon and uh, discuss more positive, creative topics and projects that you're working on.
3: It's truly a pleasure. Uh, and if there's anything I can help with. Anybody at your audience or you guys, uh, I'm always open. So uh, feel free to like reach out to me. I'm always on Twitter.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. And uh, Twitter, I will uh, link to that as MC Rizvi, R-I-Z-V-I, or I guess for our Canadian listeners, R-I-Z-V-I. So thank Thank you so so much again. Thank
4: Thank you. you. bye -bye.
0: So that was our interview with uh, Ali Rizvi. Great conversation uh, about the unfortunate situation that he was placed in uh, not being able to take that flight, having his stuff there at the airport, or even, you know, put on the plane. Uh, that's happened to me a few times. I had my luggage carried away by by the airline. Uh, David, I don't know what customer service is going to be, you know, since all these rules are still in place. Many places don't have super high vaccination levels, so many of this stuff still applies. And, you know, I'm going on, on vacation next week. I surely don't want to be in this situation, because if you're traveling with kids and all of a sudden all your kids' stuff is uh, packed in the plane. Not good for your life. You're,
1: you're in huge trouble. (laughs) I mean, I can't, I, I, we don't have children, but the, we have 11 nieces and nephews. And so the, the panic that would slowly onset, realizing that you can't actually go anywhere because you don't have a car seat because the car seats on the plane. (laughs) And now it's in Houston would just be like a, a huge nightmare. Um, yeah, not great, but a uh, fantastic interview. We'll obviously have him back uh, at a later date to chat about what else is is going on. But uh, I'm going to hit you with a bit of a curveball here. Oh, hit me uh, with your best shot there, Rookie. So did you, were you one of the many um, Americans uh, or Canadians, North Americans, let's say, who bought Girl Scout cookies? Did you ever buy uh, I, those? I did
0: at some point, yes.
1: Yes, yeah. So, did you know that there is multiple millions of boxes of unsold cookies due to the pandemic? So, it looks like you and I are going to have a task where we're going to have to overcompensate and buy a, a, a few million boxes of Girl Guide cookies and and take care of those. Oh, yeah, you know, definitely,
0: guys. Let's uh let's get this organized. Let's do this now. For the kids.
1: Yeah, for the kids, we can't we can't let those go unsold. They're too good. Uh, so everyone, do your fair share. Pick up a couple million boxes of. Uh, yeah, I think it's fifteen million boxes of unsold cookies.
0: I tell you, this is what oh. tariff this is what tariffs does to people. <laughs> oh, you know, but I know. but with that, I I mean, I, I got to say, with what an awesome reputation and racket that they've had going for decades.
1: Oh, I know. Like that's a good hustle right there.
0: We had to do hustles like this when I was in school. However, it was, uh, you know, raising money for some program or some field trip. I remember we sold lollipops one year, and then it was these chocolate bars. And I think the chocolate bars must have been filled with heroin because they were incredibly addictive, and they (laughs) just sold like nothing else. And (laughs) pretty cool to see as an 11-year-old that you're able to, to make a good amount of money. Unfortunately, it all goes to the student program and not in your pocket.
1: And and they're not cheap either. They're like four dollar chocolate bars. <laughs> or like you get that you ever get offered those chocolate almonds? They're delicious, but there's like eight of them in a box, and you pay three fifty for it. And it's like, what? This? I, I just got ripped off by an eight year old in the Walmart parking lot selling almonds. <laughs>
0: I'll just wait till you have to buy diapers. It's Much the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, David. Another thing that I, I've seen come across the transom, and I I don't remember if we talked about it last week. Uh, but we have—actually, um, we didn't because I think we had Jerry Buting on. But we're talking about uh, Bitcoin as a national currency.
1: Oh, and yes. Big this news. is
0: something that is now implemented in the nation of El Salvador, a Central American country. They usually use the U.S. dollar, but they have now made Bitcoin legal tender. Uh, this has really caused a more of a storm, I think, on Bitcoin Twitter. Um, Mm -hmm. The price has not rocketed up. I think it's back over 40000 U.S., uh, which is good for us alternative investors. Um, But, yeah, what do you think of this, this kind of idea of using these cryptocurrencies, digital currencies, as as something that is accepted as legal tender? I mean, uh, way to go for uh, the people in El Salvador. It's definitely a first-move advantage.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because if it's legal tender... um... My understanding is that it's it's not treated as an investment then. It's just treated as dollars. Therefore, you don't have to pay any capital gains tax on your gains, which is quite interesting because obviously tax agencies are just kind of circling like a bunch of sharks for all of these people who've made money on cryptocurrencies. Um, and they're going to come after you because you. it's essentially a capital gain uh, in most jurisdictions. But my understanding is that if it's not... Uh, if it's a legal tender it's essentially a dollar um and that isn't you don't ha- you don't apply capital gains to that so i mean that may add another layer of of benefit in terms of the bitcoin economy for um for el salvador but but we'll see i mean i i'd be honest i don't i don't know too much about el salvador um in terms of what the obviously i know what the weather's like but um <laughs> you know the what, vacation packages yeah yeah well, i know i know what a good all-inclusive will run you for a week in el salvador but that's about it so it'll be interesting to see if this helps put any other spotlight on the country or drive investment or or anything like that so uh i mean yeah it's it's a good sign um it's a good sign i think it's uh but I, I I'm not as over the moon as some of the Bitcoiners on Twitter are who think like this is the beginning of the revolution.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, uh, if we even look at their GDP, uh, there's something at I think 27 billion dollars. And uh, to put that into perspective, I mean that that's essentially like half of what New Brun New Brunswick's GDP is in Canada. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. yeah, they need they need a lot of stuff. Uh, I mean, it is a country where a lot of people have been fleeing, uh, not just because of the poor economic prospects, but a lot of gang violence uh, due to the drug war. Always something uh, to bring up and discuss. And David, what I loved is that you you mentioned the all-inclusives. I guess I'm I'm kind of breaking news here, but we're actually going to do an all-inclusive. We're going to take your route and uh, fly down to Greece, which is a fully vaccinated person allows me to do so and we will be enjoying the beaches down there at an all inclusive, which we would not normally do. But once you have kids and, uh, once you understand how stressful traveling is, uh, makes it all the more fun.
1: Oh, I'm jealous. I Just see it. Uh, jealous. Canadians,
0: fellow Canadians, this is an opportunity. This is your future.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One day. I mean, fully vaccinated people stuff to quarantine coming home right now, which is so silly. Um, but yeah, oh, I like. I don't know where we're gonna go. We haven't figured that out yet. But as soon as it is, it is safe and comfortable, and and we have our second dose, which I hope is sooner rather than later. Um, I'm actually expecting to have quite a funny story about that because I'll probably just be sneaking around all of the pharmacies in my area to see if there are any extra doses lingering, so I can sneak in there for my second, rather than wait until August. But more, I'll, I'll report back on that in one to two weeks' time. It's James um,
0: Bond, Mr. Antibodies, scoping around the pharmacies.
1: Do-do-do-do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Yeah, and actually the European Union just announced, I believe today, that fully vaccinated U.S. Americans uh, will be able yeah. to come, I believe, almost immediately. I mean, I know there's already a, a couple that I've seen, uh, people that I know who are fully vaccinated Americans who are already in different parts of Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on the country. I think Greece tends to be a bit more open. I know Croatia has been more open. Yeah. But it depends on the country. Where I am in Austria, they haven't uh, really opened the gates yet. And uh, actually, Britain is having even more travel restrictions put on it because of this uh, weirdo Indian variant.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, It's hard to keep track of the variants at this point. I'm just kind of keeping my head down and being like, okay, get the second dose. Let's move on. Come on now, guys. Yeah, the only variant uh, that
0: I care about is the variant that uh, allows me to get my hard seltzers, uh, puts me out on the beach, and yeah. uh, enjoy the good weather. So Yeah, hey, the if,
1: variant uh, you're most focused on is at like a four and a half, five percent 5% alcohol, preferably served at a frosty 6, 7 degrees Celsius
0: Oh, even lower. We're going three degrees. We're going. We're going Ooh. about thirty-six Fahrenheit. You're yeah. gonna
1: flirt with freezing. Flirt with freezing. I like it.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know that's what you guys have been doing for a while, flirting with freezing. So why not, uh, <laughs> you know, explore everything that summer has to offer? Uh, yeah, David, it's been a, a great program. It was great to get a, a good interview there uh, with yeah. Ali. Um, again, I wanted to highlight the interview that we did last week with Jerry Buting, uh, the attorney from Making a Murderer. That was great. We got a lot of great feedback. Uh, thanks for that, and uh, look forward to a couple of good interviews here coming up, David. Anything that uh, anything you want to throw at me as a curveball of, of people you'd like to get on the show, or an angle well, we want to take?
1: Our boy uh, Mark Sanford, Governor Mark Sanford's just come out with a new book, so I'm thinking maybe we should invite him back to talk about what's happened to the Republican Party since we—I mean, over the last four years, but even since we last talked. Oh my goodness, what a okay. What a, what a train wreck. So uh, he would be a great person to chat with if he's, uh, if he's got a book to, to discuss. So we'll see if we can get uh, the good governor back on the show.
0: Well, let's do that. Um, until next week, all the best. ConsumerChoiceRadio.com. Tune in for more. And that does it for Consumer Choice Radio. Thank you for joining us for the hour and for all the other past shows and archives. Check with Consumer Choice Radio for much more.
1: Consumer Choice Radio, hosted by Yael Asosky and myself, David Clement, is a syndicated weekly conversation featuring the latest news, interviews, and expert analysis that covers consumer topics from around the world, focusing on innovation, tech, Regulatory Policy and Science. Tune in every week to learn why consumer choice matters. You can find all of our previous episodes,
0: interviews, and show notes over on consumerchoiceradio.com, as well as the podcast version of this show.
1: And as always, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you do listen to your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at
0: Consumer C Radio, myself at Y-A-E-L-O-S-S, and David at Clement Liberty. And find our interviews on YouTube and Instagram, just looking up Consumer Choice Radio.
1: If there is a consumer issue affecting you that you think that we should cover, email us directly at hello at ConsumerChoiceRadio.com. Thank you again for listening.